0: Welcome to the Derm Podcast. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata, and I'm here with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Tommy Lee Wall. We're both board certified dermatologists, and in this podcast we bring you the expert scoop on glowing skin with food, skincare, lifestyle, and non invasive procedures. Before we get started, I wanted to go over two things. The first was about one of my favorite foods slash nuts, which is pecans. I actually have a pecan tree in my backyard and I love the taste of pecans, but one of the health benefits of pecans is that it contains a mineral called manganese. Manganese is one of those minerals that you don't hear about a lot, but it's actually needed for the normal functioning of different enzymes in your body, including one enzyme called prolidase that's really important in collagen production. So manganese is one of those minerals that you might not hear about, but that your body needs to really make collagen. So just one more reason for me to continue enjoying pecans. Now a short disclaimer. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. The information presented does not serve as medical advice and in no way substitutes for professional care by a health care provider. For any medical concerns, please contact your physician. to talk about this topic because I get so many questions from patients and friends about, um, about certain lines on the face. And so I really wanted to ask you as a cosmetic dermatologist who deals a lot with specific concerns of the face about one particular area, which is the nasolabial folds. And uh, well, and you talk to patients about this all day long. So what are nasolabial folds, Toby, and how do patients refer to them?
1: Oh, Reggie, this is such a great question because I do get this a lot. And nasal labial folds are those lines from the side of your nostrils down to the corners of your mouth. But I have had people call it the parentheses lines, the nasal labial folds, lots of different things.
0: Parentheses. Oh, (laughs) Uh my gosh.
1: (laughs) And they ask how, why is it happening and how can I get rid of it? So.
0: Well, let's start with that. I mean, um, both parts of those. And I was going to say, I think a lot of my patients, when they ask about that, they kind of think that it should be fairly easy to fix, like, oh, maybe you could just inject something right into that fold to sort of soften it or wipe it away. So how do you approach patients who ask about these?
1: Yeah, you know, I look at the whole face of the patient along with the nasolabial fold. So When someone tells me that they really want that area to be improved or softened, uh, I look at how deep those lines are, and I look at it in relation to the rest of the face. So if I see that there is some loss of volume, which is what causes those lines in the first place, in other places of the face, I kind of try to educate them about um, improving those lines by, yes, putting filler into that area, but... Also, by looking at the rest of the face to see if there are other contributing factors
0: that cause those lines to become more prominent. So I think that's a really interesting point that you just made, which is that loss of volume in other areas of the face might accentuate those lines. Can you explain that a little bit, what you mean by loss of volume? Sure. So as we get
1: more mature, not older.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right.
1: Uh, Yep. We actually start to lose fat, our um, deeper um, skin, the dermis, and some of our bone as well. So we we lose all of these aspects of our very full balloon face, and it starts to deflate little by little. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, let's say, the cheekbones, the apple of your your cheeks, um, you can see actually a little area that started to depress or just kind of get sunken down, and Mm -hmm. that pushes forward certain other areas in the middle of your face towards those nasolabial folds and makes those lines more prominent. So, you know, in a mirror, I will kind of point out those areas that are deflated and show them that that's what's causing everything to be kind of uh, more prominent in those nasolabial folds.
0: So that makes sense, but I am going to put um, a little illustration up on our website on the show notes so that people can see this a little bit more clearly, but it makes sense what you're saying. Um, You get a little bit sunken in by the apples of your cheeks, and then everything gets pushed forward and down a little bit, which then um, just accentuates those folds. Yes. So, So that's really interesting because I think a lot of people would not think about how something like the apples of your cheeks would really affect the lines running from, you know, your nostrils to your lips. So Mm -hmm. if that's the case, how do you approach that? I mean, how would you approach it in an individual patient? Right. So when I talk to the patient about
1: this, I, you know, offer them different options based on what I see. But um, I do tell them, you know, if your main goal is just those lines, and you don't want to touch anything else, of course, we can put filler within those lines. I do tell them, though, that is like kind of like, you know, if you're looking at the front of a house, let's say. And mm-hmm. now, you know, I've lived in my house for 13 years now. So <laughs> I look at the front and say, well, gosh, I could use a new refreshing of the front. So I'd love to put some new paint on the, the front of the house. Um, mm-hmm. That is like putting filler just in those nasolabial folds. Uh, You get rid of the problem, it looks better. But if you really look deeply, um, you can see that the rest of the house, perhaps the foundation needs to be um, shored up or um, made more stable. And in the same way, um, if you really want to fix the the whole issue, it would also be important to fill with filler in that mid-cheek area in order to really improve those nasolabial folds, so I offer patients one or the other or both in some cases, depending on how deep those lines are.
0: Hmm. So that's interesting. So several different approaches to the same, um, you know, to the same issue, but all of those you're really focusing in on the use of fillers. So can you talk a little bit about what fillers, um, what fillers are, and sort of what are the options that you're choosing from? Sure. So, fillers, just like they sound, they fill in
1: those deeper lines basically, or fill in loss of volume. Mm -hmm. So, fillers come in all shapes and sizes, different thicknesses, different durations, um, different side effect profiles. But the three general large categories that I discuss with patients are the hyaluronic acid fillers Mm -hmm. and you know we can talk about trade names in a second, but that's one yeah. category. Okay. And then the next category are uh, calcium hydroxyapatite type of fillers, which are a little bit thicker. And then okay. something called poly lactic acid, which is um, a completely different filler. So let me it's very confusing. So let me make it a little <laughs> bit easier. I tell okay. people, HA hyaluronic acid is like clear jello looks and feels like clear jello and they come in different thicknesses so you can have watery jello for thin lines um, medium jello uh, (laughs) for the typical areas and then really thick clear jello for for places where you need to build a lot of volume okay Um, so juvederm um, restylane those are you know the general category names that i can tell you there's many many more but i'm just trying to make it fairly simple.
0: Yeah. So those are two brand names. Okay. mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. So I can already start to see how you would choose a different filler material based on what area of the face you were treating. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, um, and I think probably, so there's a lot of questions I would ask you about um, all of these, but I think for purposes of this episode, we will just focus on Um, the nasolabial folds and sort of what would be your top choice for that area? If you were just focusing on filling in that line, um, what would be your top choice for that area? That's a great question. So in general, I like the hyaluronic acid
1: or HA fillers in that area. So Restylane, Juvederm Ultra, um, those types of fillers.
0: Okay, so those are two of the brand names. And why do you prefer hyaluronic acid in this area? Well, I think that
1: it it achieves the goal very quickly. So usually, right after the injection, within a week or two, you can see exactly how that area looks. You don't have to wait a month, month and a half. I think that they are probably um, one of the safest fillers to use in terms of side effects. Um, and They look very natural in that area and just just does a nice job of softening and um, volumizing in a very natural way.
0: Oh, interesting. So how do you choose? I mean, what do you tell a patient when you're considering using a hyaluronic acid filler Um, sort of in terms of potential for side effects and potential for results? All of those issues. Yeah, so
1: you know we want the perfect filler is something that lasts for a fairly good duration of time. Hyaluronic Mm -hmm. acid fillers tend to last about six months to a year. um, In rare cases, in some of them, two years, depending on the product. So to us in cosmetics, I think that's a reasonable amount of time. And in terms of safe side effect and safety profile, I like it because if there were to be an adverse effect. And one of the ones that we worry about the most is, even though it is really extremely rare, if a filler material goes into a blood vessel, it can clog up that blood vessel and cause a little bit of a sore to develop on the surface of the skin because there's no blood supply to that area. And this Mm. only happens in rare areas. But should something like that happen, which can happen with any type of filler, HA or hyaluronic acid fillers have an eraser, I call it. So, Mm. there's a liquid called hyaluronidase, which we can inject right into that area, and it will erase all the hyaluronic acid in
0: that region. And so, if you had that side effect where some of the filler was injected into a blood vessel and then was causing um, skin necrosis even potentially, you're Mm -hmm. saying that as long as you could inject that eraser quick enough, you would then erase that potential adverse effect. Right. So we would decrease the 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 side effects of that. And in addition,
1: if you just don't like the way it looks for some reason, I I like that
0: there is an eraser that we can erase away the effects of the filler fairly quickly. So, Tommy, I'm really glad you're talking about hyaluronidase, because if somebody were to Google complications of fillers, there have been several news reports of people who've experienced actually severe um, adverse effects from a filler injected into a blood vessel. And at least one of the news reports talked about how the person who was injecting the filler did not have access right there to hyaluronidase. So, it just emphasizes the point about how important it is to have all that material. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's something you have right in your office, right next to your filler, I'm sure. And also, to that point, you should be experienced enough to know
1: where to put the filler and what to watch for to try to prevent those complications. So, if you don't have the right education, you might put fillers in places where that risk is so high of side effects. And complications that you can even see something like blindness which is pretty rare but has been reported about I think about a hundred cases worldwide and um, you have to be careful about looking and watching your patient as you do the injection to try to make sure that none of these complications are occurring you can see things such as you know Changes in the color of the skin around where the injection is done, you can see that the patient is having a lot more pain than usual. Um, and so, all of those are very, very important that you learn through years of
0: training in order to make this as safe as possible. Wow, that's such an important point. I mean, really, the importance of uh, education, really knowing the anatomy of the face, that detailed anatomy. And how it might be different from patient to patient. And then just like you said, that experience of knowing what is a level of pain that's normal and what is a level of pain that's not normal. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, experience. What are some of the common effects that people experience when um, when they're receiving a filler? So you mentioned pain. What can they expect about that?
1: Yeah. Well, so I think that overall, I've never had anyone stop in the middle and say, oh, my gosh, this is so painful. I can't stand it. But, um, you know, anytime you have a a small needle, like any injection, it's not the funnest thing. Uh. Um, We we (laughs) tend to use a little bit of numbing cream. So there are various um, mixtures of lidocaine and in our case, we use something that's mixed with benzocaine and tetracaine, all numbing type of medications okay. that we apply on the surface of your skin for about half an hour before the treatment. And okay. that certainly helps to decrease the the um, pain. But mm-hmm. in general, what you would feel is a little tiny pinprick or a little poke um, as we put the injection in. And then um, you might see a little bit of swelling and a tiny bit of bleeding or bruising, but typically it's pretty minor. Um, Mm -hmm. After the injection, we give you a little bit of an ice pack to put over that area, which reduces the swelling, the pain, the discomfort, um, and any bruising or bleeding. Um, And with that ice pack and with good um, monitoring of that area, we see very little in terms of um, concerns or worries in the the long term with that. So, uh, you know, people might come back a couple days later and say, I have a little bruise in that area or a little bit of swelling. But that's really about it. Once the injections are done, the pain level is pretty much gone.
0: Oh, wow. So tell me, if you were to get an injection, of filler on a Monday, would you be able to go back to work on a Tuesday? I mean, what do you look like afterwards, um, like 24 hours later? That's a good question. I think it depends on the person. I would say the majority
1: go back with maybe a little bit of makeup over the bruise and they are fine. And in fact, um, I would say over 90% of my patients will go back to work or their social activity right after. Um, But there's a small percentage where the bruise is, is a little bit more visible. And so you I always tell people prepare for the worst but in most cases within a day they are fine. Um, oh. I also tell patients never you know give you, yourself a two week leeway before a big event. So you don't want filler, you know, a day before your wedding or a baptism oh. or you know anything where you are going to oh. be at a large social gathering.
0: <laughs> okay, that's good advice. Um, And along those same lines, too, are there patients who you do not recommend receive filler injections? That's a great question. So like any cosmetic procedure, we do ask
1: a series of questions. Anyone who is immune compromised. So I tell patients who are on chemo, um, who are um, have immune deficiencies um, are on long-term immunosuppressive medications, like, you know, transplant patients who are on prednisone. Mm. Those are all patients who are at very high risk for infection. And because Mm. we are using a needle, no matter how cleanly we do the procedure, that risk of infection always is present. Mm. So those patients, it's not a contraindication, but we would really counsel patients and um, discuss all of these risks. If you have bleeding problems, so if you're on a blood thinner because of heart issues or for various medical reasons, you will most definitely bruise a little bit more as we do these injections. So again, depending on the anatomy of where we are injecting, um, it's not a contraindication, but certainly something I would take into consideration. And I think that's important to get in the history.
0: Toby, I want to ask you about um, the other side of it. After treatment, um, you know, after a patient has received their injections of fillers, what would you estimate in terms of the satisfaction level? How do patients feel afterwards? Oh, that's a great question. I think, again, it
1: depends on where you are injecting and what they were expecting. But if you um, inform patients of what to expect, that lines are not completely gone, or that you're not going to look like your 16-year-old self, (laughs) um, I think that people are very, very satisfied uh, with the results. I I think that fillers have come a long way um, over the 20 years that I've been practicing, and I believe that the patient satisfaction has gone up dramatically over the years
0: tell me, would you be able to speak a little bit about pricing of fillers? I know a lot of it depends on the type of filler you're using and the amount of filler you're using, but sort of how that is calculated for an individual patient. Mm -hmm.
1: The majority of the fillers are priced per syringe, and usually the syringe is about one milliliter in volume. And so the prices of these syringes, depending on where you are in the country and what type of filler can vary from, I believe, like 500 to over a thousand per syringe, hmm. and depending on the amount of volume you've lost. So uh, perhaps a younger patient in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s, might only need one syringe. Uh, the cost is significantly lower than a patient in their 60s or 70s who's lost a lot of volume, I typically say it is most likely that you will need more than one syringe. And I do find that every person is different. So I, I inform patients, we're going to start with one or two syringes. You and I are going to look in the mirror together. In most cases, if this is your first time doing a filler, we would let you go home for two weeks wait till the swelling calms down and re-examine at that period of time. If more filler is needed at that time, I would rather add more little at a time. So this is gradual improvement as opposed to the boom, quick fix, let's put in six syringes and see how you do. And I believe that firmly because I see too many people out there looking like big giant overfilled balloons. (laughs) Um, And perhaps getting too much at one time. And, you know, the one of the concerns that I get from a lot of patients when they come in is, oh, my God, please don't make me look like, you know, the real housewives or sorry to the real housewives. But, (laughs) you know, or (laughs) there are certain celebrities that just look odd because, you know, in your 60s, you shouldn't have a body habitus and facial features that looks so different that right. it does not look natural. So we do try to take into account what the whole person looks like.
0: Oh, tell me, I love your approach. You're so right. Like you will see people who are, you know, maybe reality TV stars who do have that overfilled look that really does look very unnatural. So mm-hmm. I love your approach. And I also love that it's up to the patient to decide what level that they're seeking out, because I know some people do like more of that dramatic, um, that dramatic change, and others really prefer more of that natural look. So I really like that approach of reevaluating it two weeks and seeing how the patient feels about it. Thank That's, you. Oh, I love that. Well, is there anything else that you would advise a patient who's thinking about, um, you know, who's thinking about getting fillers for their? Oh, I hate that word parentheses, but we'll use it. <laughs> <They're> thinking about. <laughs> who's thinking about fillers for their nasolabial folds, is there anything else that you would suggest or advise them to to think about? Uh, You know, as you've mentioned before, I I think that the thing that I would
1: stress is the uh, experience of the injector and the qualifications of the injector. Uh, Unfortunately, my practice sees a lot of complications from other places. And, Mm -hmm. you know, perhaps these injectors are, non-physician injectors who haven't had a tremendous amount of experience or uh, knowledge of the anatomy of the face. And some of these complications are so, so difficult to improve once they happen. I would love to prevent uh, patients having any complications. These are not um, innocuous procedures, and I really would want you to really enjoy the look of these fillers afterwards and not
0: be crying because you saved a little bit of money you know yeah that's such an important point and I love that because so many people experience great results with fillers and it's just a matter of being really educated and being really cautious and being really careful Um, so I'm really glad you mentioned that. Tommy that was really interesting and I think before and after photos would be really interesting to see also. So to our listeners, I'm going to go ahead and ask Dr. Wall to provide some of those photos, and we'll put them on the show notes for today's episode. Those show notes are at our website, which is dermpodcast.com. That's D-E-R-M podcast.com. You can also visit Dr. Toby and see more photos of different procedures at her Instagram, which is Dr. Tomy Lee Wall. We thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you have a wonderful week. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata, here with Dr. Tommy Lee-Wall on the DERM Podcast.